0: It's likely that every single body in this room has experienced that sort of person at times that is so pessimistic so much of the time that it's hard for you to want to spend time with them. Um, I, I, I've known some people, and I would say the way I would describe it is they just suck the energy out of a room uh, with their pessimism and spirits of complaining. But have you ever known that person that got on your nerves by their consummate uh, optimism. Uh, um, have you met Care <laughs> So Care is, uh, I don't know, I can't find her. I don't know if she might be in the nursery. Oh, hey, sitting behind, it's Michael's big head. I couldn't say, okay. <laughs> Care is just a big time optimist. And I want to tell you, like, you, you should take this as a compliment. No one thinks, next to God, no one thinks as highly of y'all as Care does. No one looks for the, I complain about something and she'll say, well, maybe they're doing this or maybe they're doing that. And I'll be like, care, they're not. <laughs> and, uh, but maybe, maybe, you know. She is uh, She's an optimist and sometimes it gets on my nerves. I'm not looking for the bright side. I'm just looking for the truth. Because I'm a realist. I am a stone cold realist. For example, if someone shows me a glass and it's and it's got water in some portion of it, and they say, is this half full or half empty? I say, well, no, it's, it's 100% full. It happens to be 50% full of water and 50% full of atmosphere, but it's full. That's the truth. And when you pour water in it, you displace air. When you empty water out, you displace water. That's how this works. So, sometimes what we need, what we need is a, is a realist in our midst. Somebody who'll just make you say, what is it? Take stock of it and then deal with it. I know I've rubbed off on my wife to some degree because one of her favorite sayings is, it is what it is. And she got that from me because she's always being an optimist. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. It is what it is. And once we know what it is, we'll know how to deal with it. Amen? That's a huge philosophy of mine. Let's find out what it is, and then let's deal with it. Well, tonight, I want to see from the scriptures how we can have a better Thanksgiving. And no, I don't mean more food on the table or a better recipe. I mean a better spirit of Thanksgiving. How can we discover that? How can we have a better Thanksgiving? The greatest reality in the world is this, believer. It's this, Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. There's no greater reality than that, that Christ is in you. And the Apostle Paul says there's actually no greater mystery than that, that Christ is in you. And that being true for a believer brings hope into all of life's realities, all of life's realities. Uh, so let me, let me find a few sinners in the room who will join me. Let me go ahead and raise my hand. Who here in your life has enjoyed playing rook or spades? Maybe setback. Anybody play? That's a real old school game there, setback. Brent, I see you got. Oh, guys, I want you guys to meet. I'm going to put Brent Davis on the spot. You're going to meet him. You're going to say, I'm a friend of Michael and Tim's. You're immediately going to be suspicious. Don't hold us against Brent. Amen, Michael? Don't hold us against Brent. We've known him a long time. He's okay despite us, right? So I love Rook is my favorite. I'm probably the best Spades player in the world and probably one of the best Rook players on the face of the planet. And what I like about rook is it has this one card, right? And, it, and it's not like spades. You can argue in spades. You use the jokers, don't use the jokers. Joker, joker, ace, joker, joker, deuce. You can have all these arguments. In rook, the rook is the card. And if you've ever played it, you know what it looks like. If you haven't, it's one card in the deck, and guess what it has on it. Anybody want to guess? Wow, you guys are brilliant. And if you play the rook, guess what it beats, everything. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you the simplicity of this message is that is Christ in your life. Christ is the trump, the rook that beats everything. Nothing tops Christ, or at least it shouldn't. And I believe playing that card to yourself, to your mind, to your emotions, to your spirit, allowing God to play that card is what's going to give us a better thanksgiving. If you would, join me in reading five short verses from the book of Proverbs, beginning at verse 13. It'll be on the screen for you to follow along. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to gather and be under your word through preaching, praying, singing, testifying. Thank you for this ministry, this frontline ministry, these representatives that are with us tonight who want to bring people to the better reality. Better better is is life with you. Better is life with difficulty. Better is life with the gift of a child that you have given than it is to go easy and have things easy and not have you. Lord, cause us to see that it's better with you. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. Guys, I have two big thoughts and a couple of small thoughts inside of each one of them. And what I've been praying all week long as we do this little two-part series on Thanksgiving is that you would indeed have a better Thanksgiving. Here's the first big thought. A grace-situated heart is grateful. Now, this is a bigger truth than you realize. A grace-situated heart. What do I mean by that? A heart that is sitting, stationed, positioned, founded in the unmerited favor of God, will be a grateful heart. And I maintain that we don't need that just on November 25th, Thursday, November 25th. We need it every day, all day. And so there's a question. Do you have a grace-situated heart tonight? Let me see if I can unfold that a little bit. This is a tremendous truth. However we feel on the inside shows on the outside. So if you know this, play along. If you're willing and you know it, play along. If you're happy and you know it, there we go. If you're happy and you know it, now I'm going to find out what you know now. You ready? If you're happy and you know it, then you're, if you're happy and you know it, what comes next? Stomp your feet. All right, keep that to yourself. You know, uh. I, I have this thing. I learned it from Michaela Long. You should ask Michaela Long about this. She's an expert. I have this thing that's called RBF. It's called Resting Beast Face. I've heard from Michaela that she has something a little bit different. I'm praying for her. Lord, we redeem the wickedness in the world. <laughs> but I do. People all my life have asked me, like, are you mad? You know, and I inwardly I'm going, I mean, why are they asking me? I feel great. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm quite whimsical in the moment. But apparently, if I don't actively smile, I actively frown. <laughs> I have resting beast face. Beast. B-E-A-S-T, beast. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will really show it. I guess sometimes I forget how happy I am. I want to look at this section of Proverbs in two sections. First, in verses 13 through 15, what does it look like to have a grace-situated heart, and how can you remind yourself of that? Join me at verse number 13. Verse number 13, again, reads like this. A glad heart makes a what, church? Cheerful face. Now, most of the time when I'm forcing a smile, I just look like I'm nervous. I just look like someone who's looking for a bathroom. Now, I do have my picture face, because I have this theory. Guys, all you guys should really listen to me. When someone wants to take your picture, be quiet and let them take your picture. Learn to do your picture. Somebody pulls out a camera, I go. If you know Andrew Liggett, he would do this. And if you know him, you know him. Look at every picture of him. His dad was a photographer. His dad said, we're going to take some pictures. This is Andrew. That's his picture. My picture face is But when I'm forcing a smile, I'm not a very good actor. You know, I just look nervous. So what can I do to remind my resting beast face to turn supernaturally cheerful? I believe one of the secrets is right here in verse 13. I need a glad heart. Well, where does one get a glad heart? I'm glad you ask. When a person has a good position with God, that person has constant reason for rejoicing. Somebody say amen. And I think what we need to do is preach to our cotton-picking hearts more. Remind yourself who you are in Jesus, where you're seated in Jesus, the benefits of this position in Jesus. I won't do the whole thing, but I wanted to throw up Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. In several translations, and let you see some expressions of Jesus telling a guy, "Hey, something just shifted in your life." In the in the new in the English Standard Version, can you click on that for me, Grant? Yes, I know it's small, but take my word, I'm, 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 it's there. In the English Standard Version, the guy is is being healed, and Jesus says, "Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven." In other words, stuff just changed for you. You're given a healing, but more important, your sins are forgiven. That's what you're taking heart over. Or as the New Living Translation says, be encouraged. Or if you're a fan of Tony Evans like me, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. Or in the good King James, it, this makes it sound like a Christmas verse. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Why is that important? If your sins are forgiven, it's only through Jesus. You're in a right relationship with the Father. You're heaven-bound, spirit indwelt, sealed, and a saint. And if you're not, then none of that, plus under judgment, already condemned, waiting for wrath, and destined to hell. Okay, so wait a minute. If I'm escaping hell... (sighs) be a good cheer amen church and sometimes you just all the stuff you ain't got all the stuff you think you're missing all the stuff you're going through this bad i'm not i'm not saying it's illegitimate i'm just saying somebody needs to play jesus on that you need to play it in your mind you need to play it on your heart does the scripture ignore your grief no look at the second part of verse 13. But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. I don't think God would want us to ignore our pain. Somebody say amen. Now, sidebar sermon, one of the best things you can be is a truth speaking encourager who comes alongside somebody when they're hurting, but you're not committed to only hurting with them. You're committed to coming out of hurt with them. Pointing them to the truth, pointing them to Christ. If they're in Christ, pointing them to this reality that play Jesus on the grief, play Jesus on the trouble, play Jesus on the sorrow, play Jesus on the persecution. Put this against him and see that he's bigger, whatever it is. When the inside is crushed, it shows on the outside too. We might ask ourselves why we feel so down. It's a good question. It's a good question. In Psalm 43 verse 1, in Psalm 43 verse 1, that's the way the question gets asked several times. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? The New Living Translation says, the ESV says, "Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me?" The New American Standard says, "Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me?" The truth is, brothers and sisters, the forgiven sinner This forgiven sinner who is an adopted child, a newborn person, a brand new creature, and a lot, lot more, has plenty of reasons to be merry. We are forgiven. But we also have to face that sometimes we're also crushed. Then you need to ask yourself, why are you crushed? Why are you crushed? Now, if you're Facebook friends with Matt Cole, you'll know he faithfully, 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 that too. He faithfully posts a verse or passage most every day. And this morning he posted one and it was about being persecuted for the Lord. And I was sitting there going over this very sermon and I took a break and I saw Matt's post and I thought, wow, sometimes you really are down because you're living for Jesus and you're under a spiritual attack. You're under worldly persecution. But a lot of times you're down because you're living under the fruit of your own flesh. So it's a probing question. Why are you down? Why are you restless? The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said this, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. In other words, you can say, why am I down and where should I be going? This is where that friend, side sermon friend, they come along and go, hey, I'm with you. I sympathize. I empathize. I'm with you. I feel this with you. Let's not stay here. Let's play Jesus against this. Why? Because we don't want to just feel bad. We want to be led out by God. Proverbs eighteen fourteen says, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Nobody can take it. I, it's not on the screen, but I love Psalm 51 where there... The, King David said, man, it feels like my bones are broken. I'm hurting so bad. So it's a good question to say, why are you down? Maybe leading into this Thanksgiving, you need to ask yourself, why am I down? Are you down because your flesh is all over you? Then look to the Lord for deliverance. Are you down because you're being persecuted? Look to the Lord for deliverance. Are you down because you're a a malcontent with your station in life? Look to the Lord. A lot of us don't understand a lot of our wrestling is because we just don't like where we are. That's tough, isn't it? The heart, the glad heart makes a cheerful face. I urge you believers tonight to put Jesus against your troubles and count your many blessing. Your many blessing. You caught that in your case. I can tell. Your many Blessing. Whatever else you have, if you have Jesus, you have a many blessing. Many. We must ask ourselves, how is the position of our heart tonight? Are we in a right relationship with God through Jesus? Are we burdened with sorrow because of sin? Is our focus on the things of the flesh and the things of the world? A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Are we situated in grace? Are we situated in grace second part inside of this being situated in grace is this a merry heart is fed by the knowledge of God so true story this week this week Lord willing Lord willing I'm going to take a bunch of middle school boys to Golden Corral I have bought these guys all kinds of treats this year we've done all kinds of stuff I've brought them pizza I've brought them burgers when I told those guys I was going to take them to Golden Corral, one boy, this is his exact quote, oh, my God, y'all better stay out of my way. <laughs> and, you know, he's literally, no joke, he's about the size of my arm. And I'm sitting there thinking I should just, let, you know, pay for his by the pound because he's not going to do as much as he thinks he's going to do. It's this idea That grace has landed, and there's no edges to it. It blows their mind. If you eat all the fudge at Golden Corral, guess what they do? They make more fudge. If you eat, and this is my plan, if you eat all the bourbon chicken. Oh, I touched someone spiritually right there. (laughs) They'll make more bourbon chicken. You know, I'll say something to them like, is this all y'all got right here? I'm getting ready to get started. And I'm that guy who put like five grains of rice and two pounds of chicken, just so I don't feel guilty. <laughs> when I have salad, I have fudge because it comes from a cocoa leaf. I mean, that's a salad, right? <laughs> but, but can you get that image? This is this image that's being presented to us in verse 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. If you've ever gotten a little bit of Jesus, you're just hungry for more. Now, I'm not condemning a soul, but I'm often... When someone hasn't tasted the Lord, I know it. You know why? Because if you've ever tasted the Lord, you've seen that he's good. You're just like, I need me more of that. The soul situated in the grace of God wants more. Contrary to someone seeking solace from the world, seeks more of the world. That's what he says here in verse 14. The mouths of fools feed on folly. They want more, 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 more. Let me share a quote. It's kind of long. I'll put it on the screen. It'll probably be tiny. It's not so tiny. This is from John Gill. Now, this is old school language. It's 250 years old, but just follow along. He that has in his heart an understanding of divine and spiritual things, of the gospel and of the truths of it, will seek earnestly and diligently in the use of proper means after more knowledge. As he will desire to know more of Christ, his person, offices, and grace, he will follow on to know him and not be content with the present degree of knowledge he has attained unto. He will hear and read the word and pray and meditate in order to come to a more perfect knowledge of the Son of God and of those things which relate to his spiritual peace and eternal welfare. John Gilgis says, Let me put it in 2021 Timbo's language. If you get some, you want some more. A heart situated in grace says, I want more of it. When I was in the Army, we had this little thing. You know, you do all these chants, you know. And uh, we would tell the drill. They they taught us this. You tell these drill sergeants, you say, uh, make it hurt, drill sergeant. Make it hurt. And they taught us to ask for it, to ask for the pain, to ask to be pushed to the point You know, I like it. This is what we'd say. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. Make it hurt, drill sergeant. Make it hurt. And if you did not yell this convincingly, you know what they would do? Is they would hurt you some more. Squat thrusts or what do y'all call them now? Burpees. I think that's what I've heard Amber call them. Burpees. We call them squat thrusts. And then, you know, they'd say... You know, they say something like, you want some more? Did it hurt? And you had to, you know, you stand up. I like it. I love it. I want some more. I love it. Make it hurt. Drill side, Make it hurt. Oh, you want pain. You're kind of saying, uh, no, I don't. I'm quite full. Thank you very much. But I'm going to tell you what. After years of denying the Lord's work in my life to embrace him, to embrace him, I'm saying, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Make it. Me feel your love, Lord. I want more of it. I want it. I don't want any more of that. I'm constantly, Lord, help me lose my appetite for more of the world. A heart situated in grace wants more. Now I'm gonna find some more sinners in the room. Who's seen that movie, There Shall Be Blood? Let's find the sinners. Me and my brother David. Brett Brett's real proud. But there's this, there's this guy, and he's trying to get people to let him drill for oil on their land. And there's this there's this one guy who's holding out, trying to drive a hard bargain, and uh, he says, he says, he tells this guy at the end of the movie, he says, I drink your milkshake. And the guy's looking at him kind of beware, like, what do you mean? He says, I've taken a very long straw. and I, In other words, he's telling him, I've got the oil off your land. I don't need your permission anymore. I've taken a very long straw and stuck it over in your land, and I drink your milkshake. And it's a terrifying scene. I'll ruin the movie for you. He kills the guy on a, in a bowling alley. And he is just so enraged. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> What'd you learn in church yesterday? I drink your milkshake. Make it hurt. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, like. The very delicate and tender butterfly who will extend his butterfly snarzel into a flower. That's, that's a technical name, butterfly schnozzle. Look it up. Joseph Loon. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've got our consumerism out into something. The contention here is that for a grace situated heart, if you've ever tasted it, that's what you want to keep your straw in. Now you got the image. Thirdly, inside this grace-situated heart idea, and boy, I've got to hurry up. A merry heart, despite circumstances, feeds on the eternal. Look really quickly with me at verse 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. You know what this basically says? That somebody who doesn't have Jesus all of their life, even the good stuff, will eventually just amount to evil. It's actually the opposite of, say, Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. It's the opposite at work. Now, Grant, I'm gonna go ahead and warn you. I saw the time. I'm gonna flip through a lot of this. I just will. But I, I want to land on Romans 14:17 in that slide. Yeah, right there. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace and of joy. Okay? Now, this is a point where I wanted to slow down. I wanted to turn it over to Ecclesiastes 1. I want to take a look at Genesis 47, Job 14. I want to look in Psalm 46. I want to go over into Hebrews and walk through that. That's what I wanted to do. Instead, I left you dribbling, uh, making notes real fast. And this is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. Right now, a believer simultaneously lives in two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of the world, and Psalm 46 basically tells us that the mountains quake and tremble, and they'll eventually fall down. But there's a river of God. It's it's in his hand. It's flowing, and it'll never be dried up or stop flowing. So there's this kingdom here that is going to crumble, and there's this kingdom that's not going to crumble. Now, as a believer who is in the... You're present in the flesh right now. Amen? Right now, because you're here, you're in both of these kingdoms. The question is, which one has enraptured your soul? That's a tough question. It's probing. But if we're drinking from that flowing river, that eternal river, if we're drinking from the eternal, if, if our hearts are captured by the eternal, then our joy will come from things that cannot ever be crushed. Am I saying you can't have lesser joys? No. I am, I am so mad. I'm so mad that Virginia lost that football game yesterday, and I'm so happy they won their basketball game Saturday night. I, I love the spice of life stuff. I am so stoked I'm so stoked that we're going to have Thanksgiving this week. It is a fat dude's party, man. I, man, I, there's so many things I enjoy. I love it. It's just if I'm only eating off of the temporal, I always need a temporal feast. But if I'm eating off of the Lord, then the temporal stuff is just salt and pepper. And if you take the salt and pepper, you're not going to take my nourishment. Some of us got this flipped. The world is a meal and we get a little bit of Jesus. I want a cheerful heart because I have a a, a continual feast of the Lord. Secondly, quickly, and lastly. Secondly, quickly, and lastly. A grateful heart knows how to do life life mathematics. That's easy for you to say. So, I'm going to leave somebody unnamed here, but, uh, uh, and Michaela, this is one of these things you witnessed, so you have to leave them unnamed too, okay? This, this, this week, I, I've been trying to have this conversation with this sixth grader, and this sixth grader drives me nuts because I talk to them all the time and they look at me so indifferently. I would almost rather them give me the fist than to just sort of ignore me, so I I drew him into a conversation this week on, would you rather? And it worked. It worked. And so one of my first questions was, would you rather have uh, uh, to not have to wear the same pair of socks for a whole entire year, or would you rather have 60 pair of shoes? They said they wanted 60 pair of shoes. I want to never wear the same pair of socks twice. I said, would you rather... Smell your socks after wearing them for seven days, or my sock after one day. And this got their first giggle out of them and said, Mine, yeah. Before you know it, they were blushing and smiling and talking to me. And for the first time in years, I've known this kid for years. When they got up to leave, they voluntarily said, Bye. You know what we had just done? Some fun life mathematics. Some of us need to do some life mathematics. That's what happens in verse 16 to 17. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord. Uh, The peace of God is better than the prosperity of the world. Somebody say amen. Some things are better than others. Some things matter more than others. Poverty does not mean one cannot know the Lord. Wealth does not mean one will enjoy life. Some of us need to sit down today, this week, and just see what's better. To see what's better. The Life Together group the other day, there was cheesecake and key lime pie. And I couldn't decide which one was better, but I didn't have to. It is better to have both than neither. Huh? Yeah, your math says his Life Together desserts are better right now. No, change your desserts, Mo. Step up your game. Cobbler. Cobbler. Now, okay, now we're speaking my language. You know what, church? If you want to have a grace-situated heart, we really, truly, truly need to start doing some life mathematics. That's where gratefulness will come from. Now, I come from the farming world. Uh, I come from the construction world, a little bit of military background. And, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, but that sort of background can make you kind of salty. And, uh, you know, I, I, when people threaten me with things, it just doesn't work. And so I had this saying I developed. And I say, what are they going to do, eat me? Right? I mean, what are you going to do to me? Eat me? These days, I say, it's going to take a while, but, you know, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> but what I've learned to do instead is say, do I have to fear man here? No, I need to fear God. It's better to fear God. It's more profitable to fear God. Uh, Would it be better for me to watch Netflix for six hours or to watch Netflix for an hour, sing and worship and get into a conversation? Would it be better to, to do this or that or to value this or value that? We need to learn some life mathematics. And lastly, the fellowship of those who love each other is better than high living. Now, I don't want anybody to reveal anything about your family or whatever, but I bet you somebody in here knows what it's like to live in a house with a lot of yelling and screaming and stuff like that. I bet, I was that kid, um, and it's okay to laugh at me. It's not going to hurt my feelings I would drive my dad to go ahead and hit me. You know why? I do not take a guess. I wanted him to be quiet. If we could just go ahead and get past him running his mouth. just hit me. And he smoked a lot and he was a big dude like me. He was going to get out of breath. I bet you somebody in here, and I don't want you to tell your story unless you want to. I bet you know what I mean. I saw a picture the other day and somebody had like it was like a TV and a mattress on the floor and they said sometimes finding your peace, sometimes finding your peace starts out like this. You know, in other words, it's not much. You don't have the big house. Where you start out because what you're doing is, boy, I felt that. I said, I know that feeling. My first piece of furniture was a five-gallon bucket. I, no, no kidding. I just needed something to sit on to put my shoes on. That's it. And it worked. I just, and plus, you could also go water stuff with it. I mean, a chair that waters things. <laughs> Who's really smart here? But Sometimes it takes some, some life mathematics to see that none of this was making you happy anyway. What did you need? You need a peace with God, and you need some people around you that you love and love you. Fellowship of those who love each other is better than high living. And that's what verse 17 tells us. Better is a dinner of herbs. It doesn't say chicken cooked in herbs. No, just the herbs. Better is a dinner of just a little herbs where there's love than a steak and a bunch of carrying on. I've painted a picture tonight. Those first three verses are really about our heart. Those second two verses are about the sort of values They come out of a heart situated in grace. Brothers and sisters, I would urge you tonight to fill your heart with faith. Do some life mathematics. What's better? What matters more? I tell the same story all the time because it had a big impact on me. The day that I heard my dad died, by the time my dad died, he had given his life to the Lord, and we were becoming great friends. Dramatic change. Uh, our offices had literally been flooded over. At my life matters by a burst pipe in the neighbor's building. Katie and I had gone in at like 6:30 in the morning to start cleaning up the water, and I uh, got a call just after seven, wasn't it, Katie? It was pretty early, and it was my nephew saying, "Hey, uh, your, our, you know, Papa has died." And I had been such a grouch that morning. I was raw, 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 raw. stupid, water and getting up the water, and I, I, what they're doing that in the pipe breast. And I told them they got to leave the heat on. And, raw, raw, raw. Katie do this. And the moment I heard about that, the grouchiness ended. The concern over the wet carpet ended. All of it. I think I called Tammy or somebody to take Katie somewhere. I can I called somebody. Was it you, Tammy? Or was it you? Yeah, you took her somewhere. Suddenly, I was concerned about two things, getting to my family and taking care of my daughter. Everything else was. What matters more? We need to do some life mathematics. And this week, if you're hosting, set your table with love. If you're going to somebody else's table, sit at others' table with love. And if you're a child of God, I want you to sit down knowing you're loved. A grace saturated heart. You know, a grace, excuse me, a a grace situated heart. A heart that says, Man, I am, I am, I am at peace with the Father because of the Son. Man, this just matters. This is the Trump card. Jesus is better. Just like uh, our team was leading us to sing, it's better to have one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand in any other house. It's that much better. I would even say, John, it's better than a one to thousand ratio, like way better. One to infinity ratio, right? This is how we get a better thanksgiving. Do you know him today? Have you ever made your peace with God? Praise God if you have. If you haven't, probably drew you into this moment so you can make your peace with God. The Bible says if you believe in your heart on the Lord Jesus and receive him, it's one thing, but you see it's Got two big impacts. You trust that his work counts for you. And you say, I'll take you as the Lord, Savior, boss of my life. The Bible says you'll be saved. You'll be adopted as a child of God. That's amazing to me. And then believer. Where you got your straw? Where do you got your straw? There used to be this song back in the 90s They say, sipping on gin and juice with my mind on my money. Who knows the rest of it? Y'all some sinful rascals. (laughs) My favorite part is to go laid back, (laughs) right? How are you going to get a better Thanksgiving? What are you sipping on this week? I'm resolved not to get in any arguments with my family. This will take one of three strategies. I don't see them, (laughs) I don't speak, or I have copious Jesus and juices and get laid back. I know what I want. I want love to set my table. I want love to sit at my table and I want to sit down knowing I'm loved at that table. I want a better Thanksgiving. And I'm not going to wait till Thursday. How about you? Let's pray. Father, draw us into not just the wisdom of the Proverbs, but the logos of the Proverbs, the living word. Draw us into Jesus. Father, cause us to do some of this life mathematics. To lay some stuff down, to let some stuff go to even let go of some old pains and old hurts and old regrets, let go of any sin or hindrance or snare that is holding us back and run hard after Jesus. We need a better Thanksgiving. You have been so good to your people, to the church, to call us out of darkness and into your marvelous light, to take us from a destiny of hell into the reality of your family, and on and on and on. You've been so good. Cause us to put this up against the stuff that's dragging us down. Free some of your people. Play the big card and win their hand. In Jesus, I pray. Amen.